0: Wow. Was that fun? Was that fun? I'm telling you church, God is up to something. Our first baptism, thank you. Is that we had it was it was exciting. Uh, Maria came out of that water jumping up and down, dancing. I'm telling you, God is moving. You know, baptizing little Ethan, then I moved on to a giant tree called Peyton and and uh it was well it was exciting you know it's god is up to something and and what i want to talk to you about this morning is how do we see god how do we see god when we live beyond our means now you you may think that oh he's talking about money i am not talking about money this morning you're going Phew, that's good oh that's or maybe i might i don't know it's, it's but let me tell you this i'm talking about your spiritual walk i'm i'm talking to you about living beyond your capability of your own life and living beyond that means allowing god to do something that's beyond anything that you ever dreamt was possible see the word zachariah means the lord remembers now, Zechariah was called to encourage Zerubbabel. That's a name we don't ask, name our children after, do we? And that Zerubbabel, that it was in rebuilding the temple. It was not a good time for Zerubbabel to do this. It was the morale of the people was at an all-time low. The uh, There were very few men in the city. The foundation was the only thing that was laid. They didn't have enough men, and they didn't have enough resources that to be able to pull this off. And Zechariah was called to encourage the rubble to do this tremendous work. So we're, we're going to go to Zechariah, the fourth chapter. And what I want to talk to you about is living beyond your means. Let's ask the Lord to just be here in our our minds, allow us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Heavenly Father, this morning there has been so much going on. There's the excitement of the baptism, the thrill of the worship of which we have been experiencing. Sometimes when all that is done, our hearts are pounding, Our bodies are just trying to gasp for a second wind. So we stop. We ask that you would bring our thoughts and our minds into captivity and allow us to hear what you're saying to us as an individual and to us as a corporate body of followers of Christ. For this season in which we live in, we need to hear what you have to say to us. In this word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back. Now, don't you find that? He, this angel was talking to him. Maybe, and then all of a sudden he came back and woken me as a man who was woken out of his sleep. I don't know if it's 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 like, you know, when you're waking up in out of sleep, you're, you're almost junk. Well, this, this angel of the Lord came back and showed up in front of, of Zechariah again, and he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and the stand seven um, lamps with seven pipes um, to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one on the right and the other um, of the bull and the other one on the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked to me saying, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked um, with me answered and said to me, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but when I ask a question, I don't want to receive a, a question with a question. You know. Well, do you know... Um, what these are, and I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Could I say that? This is the word of the Lord to you as well. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It was fun baptizing these people today. It was it was particularly fun baptizing Peyton because I, I didn't know if I was saying you know in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit or timber because he's up here somewhere. Yeah. And and then when I was praying for him, I had my hand on his back and my hand on his stomach. <laughs> I felt I was was that hard for Pete's sake, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I want you to know, Peyton, is you built like a marble statue. It's not by might, nor by power, not by your might, not by your power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It is what God wants to do in our lives. Because sometimes we feel that we have this wonderful education this understanding, this ability. God says, not not enough. See, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel is this. He was saying, Zerubbabel, your hands are not strong enough to build the temple. Your plans are not good enough to build this temple. Zerubbabel, look around. You don't even have enough men or resources in your People at an all-time low in morale. What you saying, morale, I'm Zerubbabel. There is no way that this temple is going to be built in your own human strength and under your own human power. Zerubbabel, you are—you have a job that is way too much beyond anything that you could handle. <laughs> now go build the temple. It's like, it's like being in a locker room with the team, and a coach stands up and says, now I want you to tell you something right now. That team over there, they're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. They're more talented than you. And they're undefeated. And I want you to know that they have trampled everybody they came in contact with. So go out there and have fun. Doesn't make sense. But this, he wasn't discouraging him and saying that you can't do it. He was encouraging him and saying, it's not going to be by your might, not by your strength, not by your ability, but it's going to be by mine, says the Lord. I can do this through you. I want you to understand this. And then he goes to verse 7, says, and who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts out, Grace, grace to it. I love that because even in spite of our weakness in spite of our inabilities, there's that word called grace. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then we will know that the Lord of hosts Has sent me to you. If you're looking at your notes, right there in the top of those notes, there's a statement that says, Great works are done by the Spirit of God through us to glorify God. (laughs) I want you to know, he did not eliminate Zerubbabel. He's not saying that I'm going to do a great thing in your midst, in your lives this very day, and it's, well, get out of the way and just let me do it. What he's saying is I want you right in the middle of that mess. I want you right in the middle of that challenge of your life. I want you right where I have you because I want you to know, my friend, you are right where God wants you to be. Now, there's those who are watching online and those who are sitting before me, you're saying, well, thanks. I don't particularly like what's going on around me. But you are right where God wants you to be because he is saying it's not by your strength. It's not by your might. It's not by your ways. It's by mine. And I am going to finish this work through you. He says it is his power in which he is doing it. You see, there's a formula for living beyond your means spiritually. Yes, you're a follower of Christ. And if you're not, you're going to have an opportunity this morning to be introduced to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yes, your name may be written in the Lamb's book of life. And yes, you're going to heaven. But that isn't always the issue. There are people here this morning that need that power of God to live beyond their means. You have temptations that you're dealing with that are just beating yourself up. You can't shake it. You have a problem that you can't solve. I don't know if it's in your own individual life, your personal life, or your family life, or in your work situations, but you have a problem. You're thinking, I just can't find a way out of this. You've got issues maybe in your marriage that is beyond you or any counselor. See, you need to live beyond your means. You need to allow God to say, I'm going to do this through you. Here's a, here's a formula for living beyond your means. God's plan plus God's person equals God's power. Well, well, times, God's power equals living beyond your means. See, God has a plan for your life. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about being God's person. So first of all, there are five things I'm going to talk to you about God's plan for your life. They're very simple. I like to be able to preach a simple message because I like to have it relevant in our lives. I don't want you leaving here confused or wondering, that was great, but what in the world did he say? I want you to understand exactly. So, number one is watch. Now, do you remember last week when I told you that, that God is doing things all around us and we need to see that? Because, in the midst of all this chaos that we live in, those voices, all that stuff, is kind of blocking out of us seeing what God is actually doing. He is at work. What I'm saying to you this morning is to be observant. Be aware of what is happening. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm aware of the chaos political I'm aware of the chaos financially. I'm aware of the chaos pandemically. I'm aware. I'm not talking about any of that. Not that any of that isn't important because it is. But I want you to be aware that in the midst of that, God is working. God is doing something that is absolutely supernatural. I, I wish that, that you could have been with me in the first service, not during that water baptism, but after that water baptism. When, when, when we came out of that water, I mean, it was after Maria was jumping up and down and just praising the Lord, we went onto the platform there and you couldn't see us. That they grabbed a hold of me and brought me into that big wet hug, you know? They were crying. They were praising the Lord. I walked down those steps, go to my office, changed in my pretty suit, you know. Uh, I didn't say pretty face, okay? It's pretty. Uh. And before I even got there, Pastor Steve grabbed a hold of me and began to pray over me because of the presence of God was so strong behind there. You didn't know what was going on, but I want you to know right now that you could sense and feel the aftermath of that presence of God sweeping over the sanctuary here this very morning. I want us to be observant. God is at work all around us. The second way to know God's plan in your life is the right. You know that our minds think two or 3,000 words a minute. In fact, you're thinking, that's kind of jumbly. That's a lot of thinking. Well, we think in phrases and often in pictures. And and, and there's things that are just going on in our minds so very quickly, and we get so confused. What should I do? What can I do? What is, what is left for me to do? And, and we're, we're just in total, well, in a paralyzed state. So when I calm down, when I write something down, what I'm doing is I'm creating an opportunity of a spiritual growth In journalizing. I'm not asking you to make a literally a masterpiece to develop. What I'm asking you is, is to develop a deeper walk and understanding of God speaking into you. You see, what we're doing is that we're putting our thought life, our heart, the words. And he wants to speak to us. So you're thinking, how do I actually do that? It's, it's very simple in journalizing. The very first thing and when you want to journalize for spiritual growth is spiritual journaling requires us to focus. I already said that. So it's pretty simple. I want us to stop the focus because when I'm getting a piece of paper and to write something down, I begin to focus. Now, just this very moment, this seconds ago, my mind went back, I don't know, 30, 40 decades ago. little more than that. I hate that because I don't count by years anymore. I count by decades. That's yeah. And and in that, I can remember sitting at in a restaurant called Eaton Park in Western Pennsylvania. I was I was in, in going to school for computers. We was we were writing all the program language. We didn't have what we have today. I was writing in, in what is called COBOL, or Fortran, basic assembler language. And, and I was writing this program, and I just couldn't figure it out. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I just couldn't figure it out. So I'm in this restaurant having a cup of coffee, and I, all of a sudden, a thought came to mind, and I got out a napkin, and I start writing. And it was, came alive. There it was. There was the answer. Secondly, spiritual journaling focuses on us to slow down and to think. See, what we're doing is not only that we're writing down just ideas, we're writing down what we are thinking. Now, that you have to stop, but that's healthy to do because now I'm understanding. What is it that is pressing in my mind? We need to slow down and learn to be patient if we want that deeper relationship with God. Number three, spiritual journaling helps us to take time to remember. In Psalms 77, verses 11 through 12, says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. He wants us to remember what he's done. He wants us to reflect upon those amazing moments in which God showed up in our lives those times that we had, that encounter with eternity, that moment in which God revealed himself to us, that revelation knowledge at that one moment, we sat there in total awe and go, oh. you ever have those moments you're reading the word and all of a sudden God reveals something, you go, oh. that moment, he wants us to remember what he has done. So I write it down. Because the chaos in our world today could push all those memories out. Number four, the spiritual journey engages our hearts and our minds. I love that. It engages all of a sudden my mind, my heart, and my fingers. God, God is using all of our senses. He's using my eyes and seeing things in which I'm writing. He use, he's using my thoughts of, of the English language and writing it down. May not be perfect English. I'm sorry, you teachers out there, okay? Oh, no, Sasha, she, she edits everything. No, no. If she would look at my notes, she would be in absolute terror in, in what she's seeing there. But I understand it. And here's the thing, but I write it down because now I'm being engaged with what is going on internally and what's going on spiritually within my life. See, the third way to know God's plan in your life is to work. We we have a tendency to, well, be impatient. Uh, How many of you here this morning are not impatient. Now, don't even raise your hands because if you don't, you're going to, you know, I hate to have you lie in church. on that is Is that, you know, or well, we may be patient, you know. Maybe I say, how many of you are patient here? Well, never hey, mind. I don't want you to do that either. Uh, it, there is this, we want something immediately. and God says, well, yeah, I, I do, but but what I want is I want to be able to work at this very simply because, you see, God is orchestrating things. Do you know that that the atoms, the movement of atoms in our body is an absolute correlation with the movement of the universe spinning? No. And everything in between it. He's in control of all that. So he's putting things together and he wants us to be a part of it. But what's important is that I'm a part of it. I'm not just waiting for God to do this whole magical thing and show me everything. It's just one step at a time. One day at a time. See, if I want to be in the will of God tomorrow, I need to be obedient today. Just do what he asks. It may be something very simple. It may be just just picking up a piece of paper, saying hello to someone, giving someone a smile. Because, see, God is orchestrating all those things because that person needed a smile because they're not having a good day, a good week, a good year, a good life. And they're having thoughts of just ending it, and all of a sudden, someone shows them an act of kindness out of the blue. So I need to be obedient. I need to do what God has asked. The fourth way to know the plan of God in your life is to wait. You say, I thought you said work, now you want me to wait. That waiting is not just waiting and doing nothing. Psalms says this, Psalms twenty seven, fourteen, wait in the Lord. Um, be of good courage; he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Isaiah forty verse thirty one says, "But they that wait upon the Lord." Now here we go. They wait upon the Lord. I'm not that I'm waiting upon the Lord. You know, I'm sleeping. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Why? Why would he put? As wings as eagles. Why didn't he say a wing of a butterfly? Wing of a bird? You know? Wing of an ostrich? I don't know, you know. But he says a wing of an eagle. Because you know what eagles do? When there's a storm coming their way, that eagle doesn't turn and fly the opposite direction, that eagle goes on that branch. And he looks right at the eye of that storm. And he's watching it come. And then that eagle puts out its wing because he's waiting. And all of a sudden, that storm of that wind begins to blow. He flaps that wing. And the wind of that storm comes underneath that wing of that eagle. And it begins to lift it above the storm. You see, I'm waiting for God to do something. I'm waiting for God to open up that door. I'm waiting. I'm I'm. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like that guy in, in that race. I'm ready for that guy to be able to shoot off that gun, and off we go, running. I'm waiting. I'm ready to go. But then he goes on and says, and they shall run and not be weary. He said, what I'm going to ask you to do is that it might seem like a pretty task, but you're going to be able to do this. You're not going to wear out because it's my strength. Then he says, and they shall walk and not faint. Why Why do you mean walk and not faint? In those days, when they would go to battle, they would walk. Into battle with each other. They would have their shields. They would have their spears or their swords. They would be hitting the side of that shield. And they would walk into each other. Can you imagine being in a guy in the front line? I want to be the guy in the back pushing them, you know. Not the guy in the front line. But they're there. They're coming to battle. He says, I want you. You will not faint. Why? Because as you wait upon the Lord... The Lord shall renew, the Lord shall give you, the Lord shall strengthen you. There is nothing, my friend, that you are facing today that God is not able to overcome, that God will strengthen you in it, and believe me, he will allow you you may not like it to be a part of that because you want God to do it and we go hide in the cave. He says, I'm going to put you on the front lines and you're going to experience my strength because you are not going to faint and you're not going to wear out. So, here's what I'm simply saying. God, I'll do the walking. I'll do the obeying. I'll do the trusting. All you need to do is allow the wind to blow. All you need to do is open up the door. That leads me to the fifth way to know God's plan in your life is to walk. Because when that door opens up, it's game time. It's time to be able to trust God and what he said is that he will give you the strength. You won't faint for what you'll see, because what you're going to see is the hand of God. It is like that prophet. His servant came to him, and he saw nothing but the chariots around him of the enemy around their camp. They thought they were going to be defeated, they were surrounded, they were about to lose, be slaughtered as a people. And that prophet told the Lord, Open my servant's eyes. And he opened that servant's eyes. And around those chariots, that army that was around them, were the chariots of fire. Oh, man. Steven Spielberg can't pull that off. You know? The chariots of fire. I could imagine... That there was a fire. I could imagine those horses were on its back lanes, ready to go. I could imagine those, those angels with their swords pulled out that is in those chariots. There was about, something was about to happen, even in the midst of that chaos. Walk. Now, and walking in that. He says, that's good, easy for, you know, you to say, but but, but what I'm not sure. How do I become God's person? Hmm. Well, it's very simple. There's two words I'm going to tell you. There's two words that you've heard again and again and again. There's two words i got to repeat again. Sometimes we want something magnificent. We want something that is deep. We want something that has, has this, this magical understanding that I, we need to have that is going to take me days, weeks, months, even years to understand. Two words. Trust and obey. That's always asking because when I trust him and obey him, Here's the beauty. That's what he's asking of me. You know, when you trust and obey God, you know what now is God's responsibility? is to take care of me. That's when I'm able to say, God, I'm not saying, I got this problem. I'm able to say, God, you got this problem. And, and is there anything that he can't take care of? Anything. There's nothing. And and when I trust and I obey him, God is able to do something magnificent. So how do we receive them, that spirit? How do we receive that power of God in our lives? Well, Jesus said it this way. It's pretty easy. In John 14, he said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, remember when I said that there is something going on that Jesus is forever interceding in your behalf? That means God the Son is talking to God the Father about you. There's a committing meeting going on. Now, God the Father, here's what God the Son is saying about you. So God the Father Talks to God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he says, Go, be his helper. This is what it's saying. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, and that he may be with you just, well, for a half a day. No, he says, forever. And the helper is a spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive because it does not behold him. Or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be a, and be uh, in you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, get this, all things. Man, I wish I had this back in college days. No. All things. And bring to your remembrance all. All that has been said unto you. Jesus, when he looked at us, he said, listen, it's important for me to go away. But if I go away, I will send a helper and the helper will abide and live with you forever. In the book of Acts, these these very simple, uneducated, most of them. Disciples were, were living beyond their means. In the chaos of their time, they're just coming out of their worst possible scenario. Jesus was crucified. They were in hiding, they were fearful, they didn't know what to do. And here's here's the crazy thing is is that I would think that that resurrection of Jesus Christ gave them everything they needed. And it was great. There were some of them that were really excited, but others were kind of confused and trying to figure all this out. And what does Peter do? This, this man, this warrior, this strong guy goes fishing. Because he, he says, I don't know. He had the worst defeat of his spiritual life. He denied Christ. And God says, hey, Pete, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to experience something. And in Jerusalem, this is when he experienced Pentecost. Now, that's a whole nother sermon I will get into, but not today. But, but this is that spirit. See, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came into my life, lock, stock, and barrel. So I'm not saying, oh, Holy Spirit, come into my life. No, he's already there. What I'm saying is, Spirit of God, I recognize you and come alive in me. And when that begins to happen in our lives, God begins to cause you as the body of Christ to live beyond your spiritual means of anything that you could ever thought. You see, in the book of Acts, Acts 2:37, Peter just finished this message and it says, now when they have heard this, this is a crowd of people listening to this man that just blew it after denying Christ. Now he's preaching to this crowd. And they were pierced to their hearts, and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles' brethren, "What shall we do?" That's amazing. Well, this is a this is a. Well, what do we do next? You may be sitting here and says, "I get you, pastor. I hear what you're saying. I want to live beyond my means spiritually. I want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Well, what do I do next?" Acts 2, 41 says, and when they who received his word were baptized. Um, um, I think it's June 27th or something like that is our next baptismal service. If you haven't been baptized or you've been baptized a long time ago or there's stuff that has happened in your spiritual walk that, well, nothing has happened in your spiritual walk lately and you want to renew that faith, you want to ignite that spiritual journey in your life, it's time to say, I'm going to do this publicly. I'm going to be all in. I have no doubt that those who have been baptized are all in. I I look across this crowd. I'm going to do something in a second. Say, go to work with me. You going to work with me? Shake your head. You're going to work with me here. Shake your head. Good. I want all Peyton's family and friends to stand up right now. Okay. Look at this. Don't you love this? Now, this is a kid who has told us, he's saying, Pastor, before I'm going to college or anything, I want to fill this church with my friends and family. Good start, Peyton. You may be seated. Thank you. Well, they didn't have two rows. There they added to that day about 3,000 people. Man, Hoover's baptizing them had to be one tired puppy. But it's not by might, my might, or my strength, but by his. Acts 2.43 says, And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Look around you, people. Open your eyes. God is doing stuff in people's lives all around us. He wants you to see the hand of God. Because there's a body of Christ today that is living beyond their means. In Acts 2, 47, it says, Then the congregation was praising God and having favor with all the people. Huh? Having favor. They crucified Christ before this. And now they're having favor with some people. No it said all the people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day that they were being saved. You see, what's going on is the church is living beyond their means. And Acts 3, 9 says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. This is the lame man. Remember the guy at the gate, beautiful, was was, was crippled, and they wanted to know whose fault that was, was his fault or or sin in his life or his parents. And Acts 3, 10 says, And they were taking note um, of him having been the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for alms. He had that reputation, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. What happened that he got up and he walked. This is what happened. They said, how can this be? And then Acts 4, 4 says, and many of those who heard that message believed and the number of men who came to God and came about was 5,000. That's 5,000 people. What an autocall! I could go on and on and on. I'm halfway done. That scares you, doesn't it? You see, that's just the beginning of the book of Acts. Chapter after chapter after chapter, you begin to see God moving in people's lives. I want my worship team to come on up. I want to share with you a, a, a story, a little bit personal. Well, it's, it's me in my senior year of high school. It was an incredible year. I was, I was a first-string quarterback, all total, massive, 140 pounds of bones, you know, But the crazy stupid thing is that I was a first string quarterback for three years in high school. It defied the odds. They would lie in the newspaper when they would put our height and weight in the first string team. They would put in five foot eleven, I was five foot nine, hundred and eighty-five pounds, and I was hundred and forty, because they didn't want them to target me, to kill me. I was the captain. Of the track team that summer, I ran in the Junior Olympics. It was an incredible year. Everyone in the school knew me. I had favor with teachers. This is this is on on days of football games. I I never had to take a test. <laughs> That's the kind of favor I had. God hand was on my life. So God told me, because I was this young 18-year-old, loving God with all my heart, kid. I was filled in the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of 10 years old. And that's another story, how that came. And I'm walking in a hall, and God says, hey, Tom, there's a friend of yours who was on the track team played football with you. I want you to tell him about me today. I said, Oh, oh, okay. So I'm walking at lunchtime towards the cafeteria. Cafeteria is crazy because no one wants to miss that class. So everybody's there. The front of the cafeteria is packed with, usually packed with people that day. Only my friend was standing there. No one around. And I froze. I didn't share Christ with him. We finished school. I went on to school. He went into the Marines. A couple years later, my friend was about to come home. He was running to the helicopter and got killed. When I heard that, that high school day came to my mind. Not long after that, I had the privilege to be in D.C. at the Vietnam War Memorial. I walked down that big war memorial, and I found his name there. I stood there, and I wept. I may have been the best chance, and I prayed that God says, hope, Lord, I hope that, that, that you have found someone more faithful than me. Here's what I'm saying, church. I'm this this young man who was sold out to Christ. I loved him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But that day, I chose not to live beyond my means. I was frozen in my own weakness, in my own spirit. And I said, Never again. Never again. My wife would tell you, she's watching online right now, and she would tell you that that crazy husband of hers will talk to a telephone. And I would get that telephone pole to talk back. I'll talk to strangers anywhere because I am not going to miss one more day, one more moment to live beyond my me because there's great consequences God wants you to do some great things in your life. God wants you to experience that work of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, but I really don't know a whole lot about it. When do you think it's about you? God used these disciples. They saw that these men were uneducated. They weren't trained to go out and evangelize. They didn't take a homiletic course about how to preach, yet there'll be 3,000, 5,000 people coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. Why? Because they chose to live beyond their means. And this day, God is calling you. In the day in which we are living in, in the midst of all this chaos like Zerubbabel, that is there's not the time to build the church. And God is saying, build my church beyond the walls of this building. It is about the kingdom of God. It's about kingdom building all around us. And he's saying, I want to use you. Don't be like Moses and give him a long list of what you can't do. It took him 10 plagues to get the point across. Finally realize it's not about him, it is about God doing the work. Not by might, not by strength, but by his strength, not by ours, says the Lord. So I want you to stand.